the Lord is my shepherd. I think this is why we love this psalm so much. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd, the psalmist says. The shepherd looks after me. He cares for me. This isn't one of those corporate psalms. It's not saying the Lord is our shepherd and the Lord is Israel's shepherd. It's nothing like that. It's very personal right away. Lots of psalms are talking about the corporate or talking about all of Israel and things like that, and we incorporate ourselves into it. But Psalm 23 begins, the Lord is my shepherd. This is about you and the shepherd. It's about me and the shepherd. And that second part of that verse, right, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I I almost want us to think about it in reverse. I lack nothing, some translations say. I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who is our shepherd gives us everything we need, the text continues. And it says, he lets me rest. He lets me rest, right? I want you to think about God's activity in this psalm. Because it's the shepherd who is the main one acting. He leads me. He makes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me on the right way. Do you hear those words over and over? The shepherd is the one leading and guiding us. But God's provision right here is for rest. That's the promise, right, that we get of this idyllic picture initially in the psalm, right, of a sheep on a nice grassy meadow, right? He leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters, not not dangerous waters like in, but but those waters of sustenance, those waters that are calming, right? So not just a place of rest, but also a place of provision because sheep eat grass, right, and drink water. And in that place of rest, he restores my soul. God makes sure we have all that we need, food, water, and rest. Sometimes I need that Reminder that God's provision is for rest. I think the downside of the Protestant work ethic that so took over our country, like since the Puritans and the Mayflower and the things we learned about in history class, is that we think oftentimes that we are the ones responsible for creation. That we're the ones somehow who are in the position of God And we don't allow the fact that God is the one who actually has all of the activity. It's God's action. Yeah, we get to partner with God and aspects of it. We get to use the gifts that God has given us. But ultimately, it's not all about us. It is about God's activity. God is the one who is the shepherd. And we are the sheep. And the psalmist continues, "Even, even when I walk, through the darkest valley. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Friends, yes, you are with the shepherd. 
Yes, the shepherd loves you and protects you. And yes, you go through difficult times and seasons. The darkest valleys are part of life. That's the honesty of this psalm that strikes us. It's the honesty of it that that I think cuts us to the core. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys. Not, Not if I happen to walk through the darkest valley. Right? Kate Bowler in her work over and over, whether it's in the book many of us are reading for Lent right now, or if you've read her work in the past, she reminds us of this over and over. In her work, she reflects on the epidemic of loneliness in our culture. The reality that that the darkest valley is a part and parcel of life. But in some of this work for even stuff we read this week, she reflects on loneliness in our culture. And the problem, right, that she sees is that loneliness and isolation compound our suffering as human beings. So when we are in a position of suffering, we, we get more and more lonely and isolated in our culture. When we need others the most, we tend to pull back from people. And we have a couple reasons why we do this. One of those reasons why we do this is, is, is we, we think it's considerate. So, so we have phrases we, like, I don't want to bother anyone, so I'm not going to let them know what I'm going through. I'm not going to call on this friend or this family member or someone who I really need at this time because I, I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to put them out. Or another thing we do is what I call comparative suffering. And when we do this, we say, well, I, I don't have it as bad as they have it, right? I don't have this disease or this hardship. And, and often we put that in terms of like, well, uh, my, my problem's a first world problem. It's not a, it's not a real problem when the reality is that it is suffering for us. It is difficult. It is something that is real. And so what we do is when we place that thing, we, We make it so that others can't get near to us because we don't let them in. We don't allow us. We don't allow them into the suffering with us. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, the psalmist says, essentially promising the darkest valley, promising that on that way of the sheep, there's going to be torrential downpour type of days. There's going to be ways through rocky, rocky crags and and in difficult places, even when I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. Friends, we are never alone. This is the promise. This is the promise of the good shepherd. Do you believe it today? You are never alone. The shepherd is with you. The Holy Spirit's presence is how we understand God to be with us at all times and in all places now. That God is with you even in the darkest valley. When you are facing the reality of death, God is with you. When you are depressed and can't escape it, God is with you. When everything feels like it is going wrong, God is with you. Not just in the good times when the grass is soft to lay on and the water is calm, but in the darkest 
valley. God is with you. And it's in that context where God sets the table, the text says. Where God sets the table. I, I've always had this thought in my mind that God is something, that the scene changes, right? We move from the shepherd scene into like a royal ballroom or dining room or something where a big old table is set before me that the shepherd has somehow become a king and set it before me and that all the enemies just have to watch from the outside. But I don't think that's what's going on in this passage. Actually, I think it literally means that there's like a picnic blanket that the shepherd has and he's providing me what I need right there in that space in front of my enemies because enemies are always around. We're never completely away from them, I think is part of the promise of this text. And yet it's in that space that the shepherd provides. So God provides in the midst of our enemies because God always provides. Whether it's grassy pastures and calm waters, which God hope when you're going through the midst of the darkest valley, you get to that place of green pastures and calm waters. And in the midst of the darkest valley. And then the promise, the promise continually of the psalm is that I will live in the Lord's house. I will live in the house of the Lord. Friends, we are welcome and we are safe in the shepherd's house. So often, I think, because we use this psalm in the context of funerals, which is a good context to use this psalm in, that we think only about the shepherd's house as heaven, as, as where we will dwell with God forever. That's not wrong, but I think it's not expansive enough because, friends, right now you are in the shepherd's house, not this place physically. You are part of the shepherd's family. You dwell under his care. And friends, sheep are by nature in a flock. They're not alone. And we are safe. You are safe in God's flock. Vivek Murthy, the former Surgeon General of, of the United States, had has written a lot about loneliness and isolation in the past few years. And in, in, in an interview that he did with Kate Bowler a few years back, right before COVID, ironically, he said this, to be loved is not enough. You have to be both loved and known. And when we are both loved and known, we can be healed and then we can truly flourish. We have to be both loved and known. Jesus, reflecting on what it means to be the good shepherd, in John 10, says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Friends, you are safe, you are loved, and you are known. Let us pray. Holy God, in the midst of a life that goes sometimes where we didn't think it would go, Lord, we admit that for all of us, uh, our hope oftentimes is only for green pastures. 
and for calm waters, and yet we find ourselves at times in the darkest valley. And Lord, whether or not we are in that valley right now, or we know that we have just come through one, or we see on the horizon one coming, God, I ask that in the midst of that space, we would take these words to heart. That we dwell in your house. That you are our shepherd. That you are with us. That we need not be alone. Lord, I pray for each person here who comes in a different place on that journey who comes in a different place in their walk with you. Lord, I pray that each person might know that you are with them, that you love your sheep and know them. God, help us. Help us not just to believe that with our heads, but to experience it with our hearts and our whole beings that we would experience your restoration where you restore our very lives. That we would experience your guidance and the presence of your Holy Spirit all through our days. Not just the good ones, but that every day we would know the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. And that in doing that, Lord, we would be changed. And that we would truly know that you are with us. That indeed the shepherd is with us and will supply our every need. It's in the name of that good shepherd, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.